Underdog Collectibles is an online shop run for collectors by collectors. Join them every Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday night as they break new products, talk sports, and hopefully you'll pull a great hit to add to your collection. Visit them at www.udogcollect.com and tell them Waxpack Hero sent you. Remember, always bet on the underdog. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. Over the last several weeks, I've been talking about this million card inventory that I purchased and I've been going through and I've been trying to sort and get it organized so that I have something to do with it. I can put it for sale online, I can put it for sale in the shop, and I can add a few cards to my collection. Well, over the years, there's somebody who has gone through and sorted and dug through a lot of cards, and that is Dr. Beckett. And a few weeks ago, we sat down and we talked for about an hour on a variety of topics. Some of the financial topics I went ahead and and published as a, as a podcast a couple weeks ago. Well, the other half of our conversation dealt with sorting cards and specifically this million card inventory and how I might approach it, how he's sorted big cards and big collections in the past. And so I thought I would go ahead and run that as a separate standalone episode. And that's what we're going to do today. So I am going to go ahead and run the second half of that interview with Dr. Beckett. And I hope you enjoy it. Mike, you are a card shop guy now. So you're not going to call it uh, uh, anything to uh, compete with Mike Fruitman. <laughs> no, no. I don't know if he's the original Mike, but you're, you have aspirations and you've, um, you've bought a collection. And so we want to spend some time talking about how you're going to transition from being kind of a, a, a serious collector to really having a, a dealer presence, you know, that involves having a, a larger inventory. So again, welcome to the show. Eager to hear your comments and hope we can bat this around for the benefit of our listeners. So welcome, Mike Summer. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I'm looking forward to the conversation. It's uh it's quite an undertaking. I've never come across anything quite this large before, but yeah, I recently had an opportunity or was approached with the opportunity to buy out one of the LCSs in our area. He was ready to move on. And with that buyout came not just the furniture and fixtures of the store, but approximately a million cards of inventory that he had. And um, about 700,000 cards of that was unsorted in storage pretty much. And so I am just at the early stages of trying to approach and tackle this undertaking. Were the 700,000, because you know, I used to have a card store, but it's been four decades or more now. Uh, what was in the back room for us were collections that we picked up and that we hadn't had a chance contemporaneously to sort through. And so we set them aside thinking we'll, we'll get to them one of these days. And, uh, and eventually, I suppose we did. But is that what this was? So they yeah. were kind of minimally sorted, uh, which I think is exciting. 
Yeah, I have fun with it. You know, it is pretty much collections that he had picked up over the last several years that he just hadn't got around to. And so as you can expect, it, it's all over the, the board. I'll open up one five row and everything will be sorted by set in number order. And those are perfect for me for sport lots and things like that. It's already taken care of. And then others will just be a random pile of who knows what. And then another, another printer paper box will be full of sealed factory sets. And so I just have all kinds of, of different things. And that makes the sorting somewhat challenging when I try to figure out the best way to get things organized based on the platform that is likely to lead me to the, uh, the best sale or the best return of that investment. Well, you're trying to every card or every group or every lot to have a home because I don't know that my, I've mentioned this on my podcast that I don't think cards belong in a dumpster. I don't think they belong in the ocean. Uh, they don't belong in the, in the trash bin, but they, they, uh, but you found a way to kind of uh, parse out where you can get the cards that you don't want that are, that are slow movers for, for a store into the hands of somebody that would just would still enjoy them at a, at a low price. Yeah, I, I all of those leftover cards, the, I like to kind of call them the leftovers or the bulk. A lot of that I will sell locally on Facebook Marketplace, you know, 20, 25,000 cards at a time for, for 50 or 100 bucks. And there's still enough semi stars and a few of the other, you know, mass produced stars from the, the 80s or 90s that people seem to, to enjoy going through those and get some value out of that as well. Okay, so basically what you're saying, if you have a monster box, so it's approximately 5,000 cards if they're of, the, of that vintage, of that, of that uh, era, uh, 5,000 cards, you're going to pre-screen the box. Yep. And you're not going to pick it clean, but you're going to be looking for things that might have exceptional value or that you could sell individually. You know, I had an experience with a monster box, and it was all pro set, you know, from the so well, we're here in Dallas, Texas, uh, the home of ProSet. And, uh, you know, they were, it was, it was just all over the place. And so I was ready. I wasn't going to put it in the dumpster. Like I said, it's still not dumpster worthy, but I thought, wow, this is not great stuff. And so, but I thought I'm at least going to pre-screen it. So I went through and there were 4,999 cards there that no one wants. But I found Muhammad Ali autographed card, <laughs> which is because you know, otherwise I would have sold the box for five bucks. Yep. And that card was autographed on the back, actually. And so, but you can't spend 10 hours going through a monster box. You know, I think I said it maybe takes me an hour to go through a monster box. Was that worth it? It was only worth it because I found, well, it's worth it for two reasons. Number one, I found that card. And number two, I like cards. So I probably was watching a football game while yeah. I was spending that hour going through the monster box pretty quickly. So how do you, how do you, you've got 200 monster boxes. That's one of the things that I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say struggle with, but it's a question that I get a lot too when it comes to buying these collections and taking the time to sort through and to break them apart into cards that I think are going to be the best for each of the different platforms that I've been involved with. Adding now the physical shop of things that I think will be able to move there. 
it does take a little more time to be able to put that extra layer of sorting or grouping with those. One of the questions that I get a lot is, what about your time? You're not, you're not making anything after you factor in your own time for that. And part of what I struggle with is, well, I'm still making something from that, that time that I'm spending doing this. Plus, I enjoy it. It's my hobby. How do you put a value or maybe a premium, a discount or a premium, depending on how you want to look at it, on that enjoyment factor when it comes to putting in the work to sort some of these collections? Is that something that you've dealt with or that you've rationalized an answer to? Well, rationalized probably being the operative word. You know, basically, I've always been a hard worker. Actually, I probably wasn't a hard worker till I was 18 or maybe even 22, I don't know. you know, when you're a teenager, you're not necessarily a hard worker, but uh, at some point you realize that hard work is correlated with success. And uh, probably in grad school, I started thinking, okay, if I work a little harder, I'm gonna do a little better if I do a little better. Uh, and so, but I had several jobs putting myself through college. And so in that case, I had uh, jobs that paid different dollars per hour. And I could think, well, if I'm doing this, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this. And so if you carry that through to billable hours as an adult, you're realizing that, and not everything is a billable hour, you need to spend time with your family and all that stuff. But if you've got time to spend on work, then what's the replacement aspect of spending time with cards? If you've got a second job that pays you X dollars an hour, then you probably should do that. But if you don't, and you're just having a lot of leisure time and you enjoy the cards, especially the aspect, it's not just generally enjoy, enjoying the cards, it's specifically enjoying the cards. I, there are certain sets I would not, you know, you know I, some of the junk wax stuff, I really, I verify that it's all, you know, that, you know, a set that I, that it, there's, there's nobody, nobody good in it. And so I just set it aside. But like say with a example, there's still the chance of finding a nugget and that's, it's panning for gold. Yep. And so, so I'm willing to say that my hours are worth zero because I'm not foregoing anything. My, 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 my kids are all gone. My, uh, my wife is, is, has, uh, we have a together life, but it's not a 24 seven together life. She, she has a lot of her own interests and I am totally there for her, but there are also times when I'm just have hobby time. And if I spend, and so the question is, would I rather sort a 5,000 count box or look at cards that are my better cards? Generally, I probably spend time on the cards to, that I'm looking for new stuff. So people say, do you just spend time looking at your really good cards? No, that they're already, segregated they're already set aside they're already put, kind of even put on a pedestal i've got my wall of fame i'm looking for additions to that so so my i'm willing to say my time at certain for certain aspects certain times of the day certain things i'm doing my time is worth zero in fact i might it might even be negative that i pay to do it i really enjoy looking at cards that i haven't seen in fact i'm going to a card show and I'm paying to look at cards. I'm actually gonna buy a few, but I'm paying to look through some monster boxes. One of the other related items that comes from this topic of sorting these big collections is 
when do you draw that distinction of sorting versus beginning to list and beginning to put up for sale? Um, there, when you when I'm dealing, well, it's one of the challenges that I've got right now with this million card inventory is I could be, I, I can't get all the way through those million cards before I start to make some of those cards available for sale. That just wouldn't make sense. Have you, do you have any rules of thumb that you've used when going through some of these big collections? Well, I, uh, okay, I do have a rule of thumb and that's get rid of the worst stuff first. It'll lighten my load, give me a chance to find, you know, get through the, the forest for the trees. And so if your a million cards can be, can be chopped down to even 200,000, if you have 800,000 that can go into your uh, Facebook marketplace or other kinds of places that don't require individual li listing, you don't want to spend 200,000 cards in Com C. I think Com C would like that, but <laughs> they're making, you're making them wealthy at least on, on the front end. And sport lots, there's a lot of work there. Beckett Marketplace, same thing. If the cards are in numerical order, that's, like you said, in some of, so you, the first thing is getting rid of the, of, of the, uh, of the chaff. Yep. That's what I try to do. And I've got Rich Klein down here who has a, you know, an Adot uh, uh, synagogue show where, you know, for his, uh, that, that uh, is a, a charitable kind of thing. I'm not Jewish, but he's my good friend. And, and uh, I like helping him out. So the stuff that's, you know, I don't even go to Facebook Marketplace. I just give it to Rich and he recycles it through his uh, uh, show and other, other places. Very good. Because I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because that's part of the approach that I've taken so far as I, as I get it's through actually, it. It's actually honoring your wife as <laughs> well. Because a million cards is pretty daunting. I, yep. I, I, I bought a lot that was 90,000 cards uh, from an auction. It was actually from Huggins and Scott. So I hope you don't look through the old catalog and see what 90,000 card lot. Uh, and frankly, they don't always, the numbers aren't always accurate, but that 90,000 cards, I had to go to the shipping depot and it, you know, I have a four door car, a reasonably big trunk, and it was full to the gills. And mm -hmm. so I picked it up at the shipping depot and my wife did not freak out, but she said, I thought you were disposing of cards. Well, I disposed of probably 80% of them within a week or two. And I, that's, like I say, my recommendation for you. If you can get rid of the, I don't know, it's, it's not sort of an 80-20 rule, but it, it's probably something like that. You know, it's not you're going to keep every star, but there, there are certain players that have a following and others that don't. So. Uh, and and, the, and the, the time still has value because you can have a full-time job going through that million cards. Right. And, and, that's, and I don't think that would be fun. It's, it's better to have a kind of a part-time aspect. Yeah, I think there'll be a piece of it that serves as entertainment for me, entertainment yeah. that I get to profit from, but over the course of the next several months or even potentially up to a year as I work that in. Because yeah, that, that's part of the consideration that I have to have when it comes to it is still continuing to spend time with my wife and my kids and those other life commitments, my full-time day job and all of those related things as well. And so it's, it's one of those, those balancing acts that I think we deal with in the hobby. Uh, this is just one of the, the bigger undertakings that I've had up to this point, that's for sure. Well, my hat's off to you because, like I said, it what the what I what I came back and rationalized to my to my awesome wife was, 
if this had been no, more than 90,000 cards, I would have had to be making s several trips or make some other accommodation and I wouldn't have had room to store them. And so there's, there's physical limitations. And also there's the thought that that really would take me away from other things. But if it means I'm not gonna watch a movie on TV that I don't care that much about or a, a TV show or a sports game that is not playoffs, <laughs> You know, I'd, I'd rather look at cards and I'd actually rather do both. So I, I frequently, the problem is with when you get up above 100,000 cards, but doing both, it can be a chore. And if it becomes a chore, I'll quit doing it. My guess is you will too. And that's, that's the deal you need to have with your wife, you know, with your wife and kids. They come first. Yep. And if they got a problem, the cards go on the back burner and you, you just, you can't, that's just the proper priorities. Yep, I, I agree. 24-7, you know, I'm not doing 24-7 collecting. I think I did for a few <laughs> back in the day before I had a heart attack. But uh, now it's um, trying to keep this, things in perspective. And uh, it's, uh, it's fun to look through a bunch of cards and hope you find some good ones. And then when you find some good ones, it's finding a home for them. Because, you know, I'm going to be the temporary home for a lot of this uh, a lot of this stuff, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it through. So, um, so your store, you have a kiosk in a store. A million cards doesn't sound like a kiosk. Yeah. So the it's a store within a store kind of concept. And so the the main owner of the LCS a couple of years ago took over a second storefront and kind of merged the two storefronts into one. And as part of that, there was a separate office area in the, the new storefront. And one of my friends uh, locally here approached the original owner about opening up kind of a store within a store and kind of subleasing some of that space to have a dedicated space for, for him to have kind of a shop. And so we, we kind of say it's a shop within a shop. And so that is the, the space that I ultimately took over. A couple of weeks ago, somebody mentioned, so it's kind of like you've got a permanent show set up and I was like, kind of, that's a pretty good description because there's probably 12 to 15 tables worth of space that I've got plus this smaller office area where I've got a typical counter display and some of those types of things. And there's only, a, there's probably a few hundred thousand cards that are actively in there available for sale at one time. Like I said, the rest are kind of in the back room storage, but it's not, it's a little more than a kiosk but it's not a standalone storefront with all of the full square footage and lease and all of those things that, that go with it. It's, it's kind of a, a subleased arrangement type of thing. And so it's, it's a little bit of a unique setup that I'm not sure a whole lot of people are, are doing at this point. Well, I, you, don't you have like a non-compete with the primary shop? The, the thing, so he focuses more on higher end stuff and I focus a little bit more on the, the mid to low end range. And the other agreement that we've got in place is that I can't sell new wax from the last five years or supplies. And so yeah. most of my business will be on, if I have wax, it'll be older wax, which has been selling well, as well as singles. Thanks for uh, sharing your experience. I think a lot of collectors would love to have a million cards until they see how many boxes a million cards is. And it's pretty overwhelming. So thanks for sharing your experience. Thanks collectors and uh, listeners, even investors. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another show. Thanks again.